Thank you for being here. We are in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Uh, this is a section of verses that will take us up through uh, probably 511. Again, as we divide the book of James, it's, it, you have some options on how it's divided up. Is this a continuation of what he was just talking about? Is it referring back to what he said before? It's a completely different topic. What is consistent is uh, speech. He's going to be talking about speech or words right here, and he's brought that up before. So this is going to be uh, similar to what we've already seen. It is, I think, a new unit, and I'll show you what that refers to. He is going to be talking to the rich, uh, the arrogant, uh, and uh, commending them or commanding them to go a, a better direction. Then the question is going to be, is he talking to unbelievers or believers, or is he referring to unbelievers or believers? And I think, and again, we can read through this and make your own decisions. You can read it either way and just try to decide who he's talking to. Is he using these as examples for the believers not to follow? Or, which is typical of the book, are these believers in this group of, of, of the church, of the, the Jews, the Messianic, that have come to faith in Christ, that they're still living the, in the way of the world? They've come to faith in Christ. They're Jews who follow the law, but they're living like pagans. And I think, as you look at the book, I think we are talking to uh, believers in this this uh, situation that we're looking at. You don't have to agree with that. Those are decisions that need to be made. Um, I'm going to read through the uh, the three sections here. Uh, the section we're looking at today is going to be talking about uh, planning. Uh, and it, it can become confusing, especially on a surface reading, it's that these people are being condemned for making plans. We're going to go to this city, make these plans, do these things. It's like, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be saying that. You should be saying, if the Lord's wills. And again, it's not going to be so much what they're saying as what, much as what they're saying indicates in their heart. The next thing is going to be addressed to, uh, we'll just say, landlords or landowners who are paying. These are rich people who own land that are paying People that are working in their fields, they're not paying them what they should be. They're abusing the elite or abusing the poor. And it would appear in both cases, uh, at least here we're talking to believers. Are we going to be talking about the unbelievers next week? Okay, we'll talk about that. So these are the two negatives part of this. And then the next set of the verses is going to be uh, advice to the believers. It's going to be, in a sense, positive. Now, how do you do this? Uh, you should do, well, let's look at here. I think I've got on the notes right there at the top. Um, yeah, point two on the top, and I'm going to read through these verses. Chapter 4, verse 13, where we'll be getting today, going all the way up to chapter 5, verse 11. I'm going to read that for you right now. The two divisions are chapter, uh, I begin in chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say... We're going to make these plans. We're going to go here. We're going to make money. We're going to go to this town. We're going to stay this long. It's like, whoa, 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 slow down. You haven't even mentioned God's plans. There's his, before you started making plans, God had already made a plan. Before he began creation, he already had a plan. Now, you jump in wherever you're at here in life in 2023. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Wait a minute. There's already a plan that's been functioning since eternity passed, and you're just jumping today, going to go your own direction. Maybe you want to figure out where's God going and doesn't mean you can't, again, well, we, that doesn't mean you, you can't make plans. You just got to realize that you are not God. And you're, even if you feel like you've got your own little world, you're living in a bigger God's world, if you would say it that way. And so that's the first one. Now listen, you who say, then the, chapter 5, verse 1, now listen, you rich, you're mistreating people. And then point B, chapter 5, verse 7, now he begins to address the believers or, you know, anyone that's going to follow his advice. And he says, this is what's happening. Now, instead, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the Lord's coming. And we'll read those verses. And that will be the advice. Instead of living this way and living this way, you will live this way. Now, again, some would take this, and as we read this, be careful. You, you can make your own judgments. Some would take this as, ah, look, they're planning on making money. You should not be a merchant. Capitalism is wrong. You shouldn't be trading and making money and traveling all over trying to get more money it's like well no that's not the point the point is if you're making plans you got to realize god has made a plan also landowners people shouldn't own land and have people working for them you should just give stuff away it's like uh that's not the point they're misusing the people so there's 
we're talking about a worldview that is pagan or a worldview that is Christian or biblical. In both cases, you're going to have people making plans, going places, making money, people owning land, people working for other people, getting paid. It's just these people have a pagan worldview without considering God. These people are doing the exact same thing, except they've got a Christian worldview, realizing there's a God over them, that God's already got a plan, that these people are, they're responsible for these people as, as landowners, and that they're going to be judged and evaluated by God. So again, this is not uh, identifying, don't make plans, don't be a merchant, don't own property, don't have workers, just give everything away. Well, we're going to converse is that that doesn't function. That's the way the world works. Uh, the other thing that comes up that really simplifies this, instead, they say, instead of saying, we're going to go to this city, do these things, make this much money, instead you should say, if it is the Lord's will. And so now, in a very elementary approach to this, what you would do is, we're, and again, this becomes what I would call Christianese. It, it's like, we're going to go to the grocery store, if it be the Lord's will. We're going to have steaks this afternoon on the grill, if it be the Lord's will. It's like, oh, you're killing me here. Stop. We're supposed to say this. Like you say, amen at the end of the prayer, or in Jesus' name, or it's like, it be, you're just, you're, now you're into rote. It means, you have, this is the reason James talks about words and speech, is I can't, or James can't see your heart, but by the things you're saying, you're reflecting, what, you're out of the heart, how does that say? The, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you are not saying this, it would indicate probably you're not even thinking about the Lord. Okay, so I'm just going to keep saying this. Okay, well now, this is just like a wrapping paper around your, you know, like Jesus said the same thing. Uh, on the outside, the tombs look good, but on the inside, they're filled with dead men's bones. Ah, look, if it's the Lord's will... I can say that and convince all of you, but still, my heart hasn't changed. So just sticking this phrase on the end of everything you say is not going to qualify. James is not saying, I need to see, hear more of this when I come to your churches. Uh, and again, and I, I think, oh, I didn't write them down. But Paul, uh, there's a, one of the commentaries had an example of Paul where he would say, as he's giving his plans, if it be the Lord's will. But there's also a place where Paul's giving his plans and his itinerary he says nothing about the Lord, which means, ah, oh, that would be wrong. Well, no, his heart was always with this attitude, I'm going to follow the Lord's will. But sometimes he say it, sometimes he didn't. So this is not like, well, the point of today's message is not, not to be, okay, so the rest of the, your life now say, at the end of every statement, if it be the Lord's will. Uh, okay, you, you missed, missed the message. Okay. All right, so here we go. I guess right here, I guess I just nullified two things. One, this is not saying... Uh, you can't be a merchant and make money. And this is not saying, if you're a Christian, you'll always stick that phrase at the end of everything you say. Okay, that's not the message. Okay, here we go. I'll read, beginning in chapter, uh, thir- or chapter 14, beginning in verse 13. And we're going to read up through chapter 5, uh, verse 12. So here it is. Chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make, pro- make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, You boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who does the good, excuse me, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Okay, that's the first rejection. Chapter 5, verse 1. The second, and it's parallel. Just like chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, chapter 5, verse 1. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. 
you have hoarded wealth in the last days. A lot of interesting things in this, these verses. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence, and you have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. That's the second rejection. Now, probably the third part of this section now is the correction. This is what it should look like. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. So this should be able to overlay with that for the, what we're going these verses here, the merchant, or overlay for the landowner. Instead of being a merchant that's living without God's guidance or plan or considering God, or being the landowner who's abusing people to make more money, wait, 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 you should add this filter to what you're doing. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. And so, again, we'll talk about those verses as we go. But we're looking at chapter 4, verse 13 through 17 today. And what we saw last week, just like uh, we see this week, la uh, is a, a, a balance. Last week was do not judge. But yet, that whole idea there was we do need to discern. We do need to make some evaluation. So do not judge is not going to cut it. Do not judge. You're going to have to put yourself in the right position, the right attitude. So you're not going to judge outside the law. You're going to put yourself under God's law to make evaluations, including evaluating all things. The spiritual man, Paul says, makes judgments about all things because you're under the law, under the word of God, and you can evaluate. So do not judge is not like the catchphrase for all Christianity because Christians are going to have to discern. The difference is do not judge without the guidance of the law you're going to have to be under the authority of the law and then you're going to have to discern you're going to have to judge but not your own self-evaluation <laughs> today it's going to say it almost sounds like uh do not plan because god's got a will and it's like well no 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 that's not the idea this is not going to catch it Don't, i just stop planning whatever happens god's sovereign i'll just let it happen well you're going to have to plan but you're going to have to be, in a sense, responsible. You're going to have to have, uh, just like they, we have to discern without judging, you're going to have to follow God's will while you're still making your plans under his will. So in this case, you're under his, uh, his law. In this case, you're under his will. And it's, again, the divine and the human working together. I mean, just imagine if you just said, well, God has a plan, God's taking care of everything, and you didn't do anything. Well, you can just imagine you'd go into chaos. So you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make everything happen. Almost, I mean, you're going to have to initiate everything. You're going to have to initiate all of these activities. You're going to have to make plans. You're going to have to have judgments, evaluations. But yet at the same time, God's also working with you. So there's that tension of, the eternal and the temporal working together and i think that's going to be the issue that these christians have taken their eye off of what god is doing and are thinking becoming as he ends these verses boastful arrogant that they're actually doing all of it and that they don't even have to consider god um point two at the top of the page there we already looked at the two divisions uh the the rebuke and uh rebuking both the rich and the arrogant and then the the uh, corrected device uh, 
the, the, the divisions right here show uh, the class of worldviews. And I think that's what it comes down to, the pagan worldview or the biblical worldview. The pagan worldview would sound like this. Uh, they leave God out of the calculations. We're making plans. Now, again, this sounds like, and now you, you can think about yourself, and I think you should. I would encourage you to you know, evaluate yourself, but also evaluate your culture. You know, do you, do, can you identify this in your culture? Uh, and we live in, well, I would say, uh, as we know, a, a nation that was founded on Christianity, but we've moved towards paganism, especially coming out of the 1920s where they had secular humanism started really taking root in public schools. And then as we went into the 50s and 60s, started taking Christianity out of the public spaces, you know, no prayer, no uh, uh, Ten Commandments got taken out. And now we're at a place where this, this worldview of Christian worldview is shoved to the side. And we, if we're going to address politics, we've got to almost go into this pagan world and speak paganese because if you bring any christianese into it it's going to be like oh well you're instantly rejected and uh that's kind of what this pagan worldview is it it leaves god out of the calculation so individually you can't leave god out of your calculations for your you've got a plan but you also realize that there's already a plan i'm making a plan but i'm stepping into the future that i, I don't know anything about into a future that God's already there, waiting, has a plan that's already been executed. So with that tension, I'm going in blind and dark with a plan that's fragile, hitting head-on into a plan that's already established. So you're going to have to be flexible. Now, if you just say, I'll just wait and see what happens, well, that's it's kind of ironic because it's like nothing's going to happen. I mean, you, you, if you don't do anything, you step into the future, well... Looks like God, you know, I wake up tomorrow morning and I just sit in bed. It's like, doesn't look like God had anything planned today. It's like, okay, no, you're going to have to have a plan. It's like, well, I'm not, well, we're not supposed to make plans. Okay, you just can't lay in bed. God's not going to come down and supernaturally move you through your life. So there's that tension of like, you actually got to have a plan, but you can't get so detailed. I'm going to do this as soon as it goes off track or it doesn't get, goes your way. Uh, you get upset or you realize, oh, wait a minute, God's adjusting. I'm working my plan and God is moving. And I can, we can go back through life and we all have talked about this before. There's certain things, I was talking to one of my sons about it yesterday. There's certain things in life that we really want it to happen. I mean, they're old enough now that they, they've had plans in college and post-college and started things and done things. And now they look back and in, in a positive sense. They started a good thing. And it's like, man, I'm really glad that didn't work out. And they had to abandon it and go somewhere because if they did work out, they'd still be stuck here. And I can think about places we went where, you know, I wanted ministry in a sense to work out somewhere and it didn't work out. It's like it was really something I really committed myself to and it didn't pan out and I had to make an adjustment and very, sometimes very discouraging. But I look back, we look back now, it's like, oh my gosh, that would have been terrible if that worked out because I would still be, that's what I would be doing, just this one thing. Where, again, if that's, what God, you know, if that's what God wanted and that's what I went for, it would have worked out. But I went for something, and I'm going the right direction, but not exactly. And God like, no, 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 shut the door. And I keep moving. Now I'm over, and it just kind of, well, we'll read some Proverbs. So there's that of you've got to be moving and having a plan to find out what God's doing. But you can't be so arrogant and bullheaded that you think your plans are un unchangeable because, well... And then when it does change, you can give God the credit or follow him. Anyway, the pagan worldview leaves God out of the calculations. Uh, includes boastful self-reliance. Meaning I've got to do it. feel the pressure. I've got to do it. Involves selfish indulgence. Well, if I planned it, I earned it, it's mine, I'm going to take all. And then ignores that God's ultimate sovereignty and ultimate judgment is there. It's happening now. And it's going to happen in the future. That would be the pagan worldview. And that's probably, uh, that's what James is condemning these people today, not for making plans, but for making plans with this pagan worldview. Leaving God out, boastful self-reliance, self-indulgence, and ignoring the fact that God's going to evaluate you on what you did, and you didn't even consider him while you're making your plans. The Christian worldview would be something similar to this consistently thinks, lives, and speaks with a biblical worldview. Now, again, I put speaks in there 
but it's more than just speaking out these little cliches because it goes back you're going to have to be thinking in christian cliches i mean it's actually going to, have to be real thought not just buzzwords you know christianese it's going to have to be in your life and not just be your theology ah this is what i believe or this is what i say you're going to have to hit that middle ground between this is what i think this is my theology this is my christianese that i speak you're going to actually have to fill that middle ground in and actually like do it and live this is my theology these are my actions and here's my christianese talking points and so again the most least important i think is the christianese talking points the most important is going to be your actions but if you don't have the right theology those actions are going to be again hypocritical you're just putting those things out so uh, a Christian worldview is, is thinking, living, and speaking in a biblical worldview. Understands God is ordering your life, the world, and history for His purpose. And again, that's important. That, that's, I think, the foundation of this topic today. Is uh, God has already ordered history. He's already ordered the world. He's already got a plan. It's already established his, his word has established and here i come you know i come along in 1960 grow up start making my plans it's like and it, you're thinking you're like you know some kind of ultimate divine you know in your own little world i'm going to do these things but you run it you know first you run contrary to your parents or your teachers or other people it's like well that and you get upset but there's something even bigger than that it's god who's already got a plan that's moving you and you're going to have to cooperate with your parents, with other people, with society, but ultimately you've got to cooperate with God's plan, and sometimes you're going to have to change. And so you've got to understand that you're ordering your life in the world, and history has already been done by God, and then lives with the understanding that God is the ultimate judge. Okay, the first verse, chapter 4, verse 13, in the notes here, and now I read the NIV. This is the English Standard Version. It begins, Come now, you who say, and now here's their quote, this is uh, probably a hypothetical quote. It's not necessarily something that he's, he's uh, I, I think, and I, I got some references here. Uh, he's got a, a figure here that he's created. I mean, this is not a real quote or a real person. It's a group of people. It's an attitude, and this would be something that they would say. Uh, and they say this, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Uh, first of all, the first point, are, are these people, you who say, are they believers or unbelievers? For you who say. Uh, here's some point. Again, we don't know. We do not know. We can make a conclusion. Uh, the fact that these would be unbelievers is supported by chapter 5, verse 1 through 6, are not believers. I mean, the following group, the landowners, uh, it talks about them being prepared for hell. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna, their flesh will be eaten like fire. So that, that's, a, you know, with the two parallel verses after this about the uh, merchants, we're going to go to the landowners. And we read through those verses of the landowners. It sounds like they're being condemned like eternally condemned, which means they're not believers because, again, you know, if you, ha- if you, ha- if you believe in eternal security, and that's another topic. Uh, so if the following verse, chapter 5, those verses that begin there, the parallel, uh, are unbelievers, these would be unbelievers. Uh, the second point is they are addressed as examples not to follow, meaning don't do this, don't do this, and then we begin that section now. But you, you live in fear that the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about the merchants, don't worry about the landowners, they're in trouble. You wait patiently for the Lord. So that would be your uh, advice or it, 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 uh, evidence that these are unbelievers. The fact that these are believers would be supported by James admonishes them to have a christian worldview and this is going to be just repeated several times but how can you admonish people of the world to have a christian worldview you can point at them and say they don't have a christian worldview but to chew them out for not having a christian worldview would be like you know they can't uh they are to acknowledge god now if you don't believe in god uh why would you acknowledge god and they are to know what is right these are all things that you can see in the verses that james is saying you should be thinking this way. You should be acknowledging God. You should be doing right. And you're shouting at the pagans who can't even hear. They don't even understand what you're saying. So which would mean he's not writing to pagans. He's writing to Christians. Uh, next page four, James would not be addressing non-believers in a letter. He's writing the church a letter up in northern or up north of Israel, most likely up in Syria. 
And why is he addressing non-believers in a Christian letter? They wouldn't even be reading it. And then why would non-believers, they would not be reading James' letter? So he wouldn't write them, and they wouldn't read it, so why are these non-believers? And these are rich believers. This would be my point here. These are rich believers or the destitute believers who are making plans to become rich. So this, here's the thing. Again, just to point this out, and you know this. These are the rich believers uh, that he's addressing, you who say, but they could be the poor, the destitute, destitute believers that are oppressed by the system. You know, they've been persecuted, they're in a foreign country, and they are saying, okay, we're done with this. We're going to go to this and that city, we're going to start a business, we're going to spend a year there, we're going to make money, and then we're going to come back. So we're going to get in on the action. So in other words, uh, like people say, you know, uh, I heard someone say a long time ago, you have to, you know, the love of money. Ah, see, that's a rich person's sin. Well, no, you don't have to be rich to have the love of money. You can be poor and have the love of money. So this sounds like rich believers. We're going to go to this and that city. That could be, but it could be the poor believers who are saying, we're going to follow the way of the world and get ourselves out of this situation. So, I mean, this in a sense, uh, I can, I, I can at times relate to this, especially living in America, you know, a great country. But in my, my experience, there's been times where I've made plans where I want to, you know, I felt myself poor, destitute, six kids, no money, need more food, you know, whatever. It's like I come up with this plan. I'm not making these plans because I'm rich. I'm making these plans because I'm poor and destitute. I need, I need to get going. So, again, this may not be just addressed to rich believers. It may be just addressed to believers. And possibly he's advising some of the, the poor believers, uh, don't, don't follow this pattern. Don't follow this pattern of self-reliance. Um, point two, the phrase, now listen. You can see it in the Greek there, and you can see it in the Greek text. Uh, means come now, and is a typical of an address in a debate like this. Uh, like this meaning he's debating someone that's not really there. He's, he's, he's writing the letter, and he's addressing a, a real situation, but maybe doesn't have a particular person in mind, and maybe hasn't heard these people say this exact quote. So when he says, come now, that's the beginning of a debate line. Commonly used to introduce arguments addressing an imaginary opponent. This is from like Greek debating, such as here, an imaginary opponent, and prefacing harsh words that are written in satire. And so that, that is that phrase, now listen, once again, goes to the idea that this writer, James, was familiar. He wasn't just, you know, in the backwoods writing a letter. He was familiar with debate styles. He was educated. And again, that's the style. And then who say? Here again, it's an issue of speech. Speech is the topic revealed through all of this. Uh, the worldly attitude is not wor- uh, see, This worldly attitude is not worthy of the Christian. That's why he'd be rebuking him. You're Christians, faith in Christ. And then you talk this way, indicating your, your attitude is completely away from where you should be as a Christian, looking for some maturity. Uh, point five, the, the Jewish merchant at this time was common. Uh, they would leave Israel, go into Syria, even in Decapolis, and maybe go buy merchandise, bring it back and sell it, or move into Syria, move into Decapolis, and participate in the markets. Again, this is not a, an attack on the merchants. It's an attack on the merchants who are going about it in a non-Christian worldview. Uh, and again, that, your Christian worldview would determine, is this really where you want to go with your life, just to make money? Now again, if that's, again, that, that's something that uh, an individual is going to have to uh, decide. Uh, but it, is your whole goal of your life to be a merchant and make more and more and more money? Uh, and what are you going to do with your money? I'm going to buy some land and have some workers make more and more and more money. Okay, but is that really what you want to do with your life? That's another question. That's not saying it's wrong. It's just, is that what you're going to spend your life doing? Uh, interesting point six it's, uh, you know, it says, uh, I'll, I'll read it here in the text, and I'm going to break it. You can see I've got it broken down there in point six. This is what they say, and this is how arrogant this is. It, it's, it's in the sentence. Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there, trade, and make a profit. 
So these, here's, this is where he's heading with this. These people arrogantly, without considering the fact that there's a God that already has a plan, they're deciding the time. Tomorrow. Uh, today or tomorrow. Uh, they're deciding the location. Now be careful. This sounds like uh, Tony planning our vacation. It's like, see, Tony, when you plan our vacation, you shouldn't have a time or a location. You should just, but, well, you're going to you're, you're have to do these things. If it's a business, if it's a vacation, uh, if you've got more than two people in the room, if you've got one person, you're going to have to have a time and location. Uh, the length of uh, the activity. How long are you going to be doing this activity? Uh, what is the activity? And what, here's the big one, what are the results? And this is what James, you can, hear, you can hear it, this is where he's heading with this. How ridiculous is this? You've already established the time, the location, the length, the activity, and the results. And you're just doing it from your own mind, your own worldly view. You're, you've got this all laid out. And that's where he says, uh, as I read this again, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go and do uh, such and such in a town and spend a year there and we'll trade and then we'll make a profit. And if you look at the next verse, uh, that's on page three. Yet, this is, this is what, you, what you're going to do. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. You've never been to tomorrow. And here's, this looks like God. I mean, you're talking about tomorrow that you've never seen. You've got the time, location, length, the activity, and what's going to happen tomorrow. It's like, come on. Then he says, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And then he says, what is your life? He says, what about tomorrow? My gosh, you're talking about one day, the next 24 hours. You don't know what's going to happen in the next 24 hours. And then consider your life, your whole life. It's temporal. You may not even live to see tomorrow. And he says, your life is, is a vapor. So you've got all these details. And hypothetically, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And your life, it's not, it's not here forever. It, it came, and it's going to go, and it's going to go like smoke or a vapor or a shadow. It's, that's the word. It's, it's so temporal. Look how arrogant you are. You don't know anything about tomorrow or even how long you're going to live. Ooh, you got all this figured out. You better tone that down and realize the only thing you've got to count on is the Lord. So with this, knowing the Lord who is knows tomorrow, who gives you life and keeps you alive. Now, make your plans with that understanding. And again, he's, he's, it's not, I don't think this is the problem. Imagine, well, I'm going to show you some verses. Imagine anything in the Christian world that is successful, or a, a leader in the Bible, if it be Moses or Abraham or David, Jesus, Paul, that says, oh, these things are not important. Uh, we've got results we're going to shoot for. So this is the activity. We're going to do the activity for this long, and we're going to do it at this location, and we're going to begin at this point. Uh, no, that sounds very pagan. We're going to get rid of all of this and just go do God's will. Well, imagine you're Nehemiah, and you're standing in front of Artaxerxes, and Artaxerxes says, well, what do you want to do? I, I, I want to do God's will. What is God's will? I really don't want to say. I, I, it's no, Nehemiah says, my city lays in ruins. There's no wall. The city's not built. Well, what do you need? Well, we're going to need timber from the forest. How much time do you need? Well, I'm going to need about a two-year span. Uh, who do you need to take with you? Well, these are the people I'm going to need. Okay, well, here's the stuff. Here's your papers. Nehemiah, boom, knew that instantly, but he was totally under the Lord's direction. He, I mean, he's totally submissive to God. So because you know these things doesn't mean you're wrong. I mean, I'm, 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 not, I mean, I'm not even telling you something. It's like, oh, I never knew that. But I, you can see how someone could twist this and say, I'm a very good Christian because I've got no plans. I'm just going to follow the Lord. Well, okay, what does that mean, I'm going to follow the Lord? You're waiting for smoke signals? What are you waiting for, a voice in your heart? Okay, if the voice in your heart does speak, you're, you're going to have to then plan these things. Well, here's some verses that are interesting. Uh, bottom of page two, and this is just worth looking at. 
point 10, oh, wait, point nine, I write, <coughs> planning is not wrong, <coughs> but ignoring that God already has a plan <coughs> before you were born and before you made your plans is pagan. So to do this is not wrong. I'm, I, you can't say this is wrong. I got a time, a location, a length, an activity, and this is what I anticipate the results to be. But you got to know that before you were born, before you made these plans, the Lord already established all of history, and he's got a plan, and it's already worked out. And if you come against this plan, he's going to crush all this. You want these things to line up. And so you make these plans. It's almost like submitting your plans to your supervisor, and then he hands them back with all the adjustments. Here's when I'd like to go, where I'd like to go. My my whole life has been like this. This is what I'm going to do, the location I'm going to do it at, uh, this is the length of time I'm going to do it. This is the activity, and this will be the results. Then I hand it in to God, not necessarily on a paper form or even in prayer, but just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this for the Lord. I just step into tomorrow. And he got, right away I'll say, okay, this changes. Not that, that this changes. We're going to change this and move it over here. This is like, and I don't even get a detailed report. My life just ends up like, oh, three months later, two years later, three years later. I'm over here. It's like, oh. This was the time, this was the location, the length, the activity, and here's the results. I mean, it's like God adjusted my paperwork. And I think that's, that's the idea, I think, is you're going to have to do this, but you're like, in a sense, submitting it to God, realizing we're leaving tomorrow, we'll see what happens. And as you go, you begin to have, well, here's some verses. Chapter, or point 10. Uh, wisdom in planning using biblical worldview, meaning the planning is is wisdom proverbs sixteen three, commit your work to the lord and your plans will be established proverbs sixteen nine, the heart of man plans his way the heart of man plans his way but the lord establishes his steps i mean that's what you do. i plan my way okay i'm going to do it and it's like and he moves and you go you know you, you, you day by day it gets adjusted i think that's what james is talking about you, you, you have this, and then you ignore all these verses. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Again, right, that's right there. That's wisdom. That says nothing about the Lord there. You can try to make Christianese out of that. The many advisors would include the Lord. But the idea there is if we we're going to make a plan, I would present a plan, but then the many advisors would like, okay, what about this? They have insight. So right there, the Bible is telling you, make plans, but when you do, make plans with other people, giving you advice so that they succeed. It says nothing about the Lord here. But again, it's supporting the idea of planning. Luke 14, this is Jesus. Jesus says this, and he was using this in a positive sense. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? It's like, Jesus, you're going to, the time, the location, you had enough? to get this result he says who's going to start without doing that it's foolish but again james point is you're going to do this but you're going to submit it to the lord psalm 24 may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans so you've got plans and you know may god help you get your plans fulfilled proverbs 15 22 without counsel plans fail but with many advisors they succeed i already do that one proverbs 19 21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That's a key verse for James today. Many are the plans, and this is what James is asking his people to do. Many are your plans, but you've got to understand that the purpose of the Lord is what's going to stand. If these can be twisted or adjusted to fit into God's plan, he can use them. I would like to think that I've got a plan you know, I want to be a Bible teacher, I want to do something for the kingdom of God, that I make this plan and I begin executing it, that God is like, okay, well, that's not what I want, and that's not where I want you. Uh, what I'd like to do, I'm going to move you here. I'm going to have you do this. And now, now you're helping me accomplish my plan. So again, the Lord has a plan. I would hope that he takes my plans and adjusts my steps so that I come in line. So that, and I got to believe, and I think I have before, and I, I got to think that people, if it be Pharaoh of the ancient world or leaders today or individuals even churches or pastors is this is the lord's plan they're doing this 
and they start twisting things, adjusting things to avoid going here because I am going to do it here this long, this one, and these are the results I want. God says, oh, let me tweak that a little bit. I think in my life, some things have been adjusted that I'm not even close to doing some, I mean, who can imagine what I, I'm doing? I mean, who's, we talked about this before, my ministry model, <laughs> that you would not go to seminary and say, here's a good ministry model, follow what Galen Weimers has done. It's like, there, no one would say that. It's, it's ridiculous. It's not even close. It's like, forget that. That's not even real. This is the ministry model over here. And I think I presented my ministry model to the Lord. And I think through time, 63 years later, it's been adjusted. And here I am. It's kind of like, this was not what I intended right here. But I think I am in, in line with what God wants. And it's like, and ultimately, my plan didn't work. But I feel like, I am contributing at, at the end, at judgment, I think, I, 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 you know, and I'm constantly evaluating myself, that God's going to say, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's the best we could have squeezed out of you. I mean, you're, there's not, I mean, you're not that obedient or that gifted, but we did squeeze a little bit out of you and say, oh, good, at least I wasn't a total waste. You know, it's like, here's, here's your reward, you know. <laughs> and I mean, I'll be happy. Because if you, if you don't let God adjust your plans, you're going to say, and say, I accomplished all these things. And I, Paul says, it'll pass through the fire and it'll be burned. The only thing that'll be saved will be the individual that was saved, but he'll be escaping, like, escaping from the fire. And so hopefully a lot of our things will pass through the flames and become rewards. But nonetheless, um, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, bottom of page two, but all things should be done decently and in order. I mean, this, you, can't, you, can't not ha- you can't have decently in an order without a plan. Proverbs 27, 23, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. Well, that sounds like a guy at the planet. He's supposed to be out paying attention. Meaning if you don't have this, you're going to fail. I mean, it's almost like a guarantee. I don't have a time, a location, a length, an activity. I don't even have my results. Well, you're going to fail. You've got to pay attention to your flocks and your herds to have success. Well, I don't want to be presumptuous. You're not. You're being responsible. Submit it to the Lord. Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent see danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Proverbs 24, 27. Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. So there's just giving some advice. Again, the whole point of looking at those verses, one of the main points was wisdom proverbs the lord tells you you're going to have to have some kind of plan and what is a plan other than time location uh commitment results okay we continue the the problem right here chapter 4 verse 14 page 3 yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes now that's pretty negative what what are you that's right here uh point two who that uh, is hoitedness has the quali- qualitative sense such as people such as you now everybody, he's basically you who are you people such as you what kind of people are they well they're basic people <laughs> what kind of a, what a basic people i mean he's talking about this group he says but but you you know a person like you and they're just basic what are they uh the ideal here is temporary meaning how what do you mean temporary uh what can i compare you to looking at god's plan all of history what can i compare you to ah i know a mist a vapor like in the morning you wake up and there's a little bit of haze on the water ah look that's your life oh look the sun came up it's gone it's like here, oh, there it is. There's a little smoke coming out of the fire. Oh, look, that's my life. Oh, the, the breeze, it's gone. So people such as you, like, what do you mean? Uh, people that are mist or a vapor. It, you should not be making plans like this because God's plan stretches into eternity past, into eternity future. History has been marching on, the coming of the Messiah, the establishing of the church, and now all of a sudden, here you are. Oh, now you're gone already. It's like, you, got, you get the whole, you know, you put the whole spectrum of history from wall to wall here and put your sliver of life. Oh, it would be like, that's probably like 10 times too wide. It's like, that's how, if this was a timeline across here, your life would be like, psh, it, it, before you get started, it's over. I mean, look at us. 
Look at me, if you're not looking at you. Uh, look at me. It's like, I'm just, I mean, I, I'm just kind of figuring it out. I'm 63, just retired. It's like, you know, I think I've got some things figured out. Can I start over? It's like, no, you're, you're on the countdown. You're on the backside of life. It's like, well, that went fast. Well, yeah, and so the whole point is, that's what he means. People such as you. You shouldn't be making plans like this. There's a bigger, okay. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while, for, for a little time, and then vanishes. There's two ways of interpreting this. Um, point three, and again, it's not a big deal, but there's two ways the punctuation is not in the Greek, so you've got to put these words together. You'd, one would be, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Or, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You see how the words, same words, are just in it, and either one of those is correct. If you're a Greek scholar, you'd favor one or the other, and you'd justify it by researching how words are positioned. But that's basically the idea is you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and, and what is your life, or what is your life, you don't know what your life is going to be like tomorrow. The idea here, again, is you're planning for tomorrow, yet you've never been there, so you better be a little humble about your plans for tomorrow because it's, it's so out of your control. Uh, and then there's just the word mist or vapor. Point, chapter 4, verse 15, instead, you ought to say, here's the alternative, Instead, you ought to say, and this is the only thing he changes. Instead of saying just these things, he doesn't say stop saying these things. He says, instead, you should say, I would say, add at the end of it, if. And this is in the Greek, the third class condition, which is, we understand this. This is the if of, we don't know, maybe so, maybe not. You know, there are ifs, if, and we know it's true, if, and we know. This is the if, if, the if, if. <laughs> this is the if that says, uh, we don't know. And so you should say, uh, instead, you ought to say, third class condition if, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. In other words, if the Lord's will. Now, this Lord's will, he's actually saying, we don't know what it is. We do not know God's will. Now, again, be careful because there are certain things we do know what God's will is. But talking about the particulars of time, location, length, how much profit. I mean, unless God's going to give you special revelation on these details, we, we don't know. What we're going to do is, if it is God's will, and we will only find out, in this case, if it's God's will, we'll add our activity... And if it is the Lord's will, then we'll find out right over here. We don't know the Lord's will, but we're going to take the Lord's will, add it to our activity. We're going to go here tomorrow. These are our plans. We're going to stay here for a year. We're going to sell these things, see if we make a profit. What will happen? Well, <laughs> we'll find out in a year because we've got our activity. We're submitting it to God's will, which if, who knows what it is. I can't, if you could, now listen, this is where it becomes you, you can hear, be careful here, let me say something. You can hear secular humanism in this, and just right here, is just get rid of this right here. These are the activities I'm going to do, and this is going to be, in the next verse, this is going to be called boasting. And it can be referred to two different phases, two different ways of boasting. But this is what I'm going to do, this is the results I'm going to get. Well, he's saying that you, you can't do that because you're a mist. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. So this is questionable. What you should say is, if the Lord wills it, and that if is, we don't know what the Lord's will is. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And so we don't know the answer. The best you can do is submit to God, do the best you can as a mist, that you may be gone tomorrow, and there's your results. Now, secular humanism would take this activity, say, you're the man. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstring. You're, you're the, you decide your own future. You're your own destiny. And there's a little motivational speech within there. You can change your future. And there's a truth to that because you can get out. If you don't get out of bed, you don't have a future. Get out of bed, you start doing something, you're going to change your future. There's a truth to that, but there is a limit because you are a mist. 
I mean, you're, you're temporal. So you can have some activity, but it is limited on what you can do because you really don't understand it. But you can see secular humanism coming into this if in the church. Is God is, you got to be careful with what I'm going to say. There are things that are clearly identified in the scriptures that what God wants you to do, good and evil, what is good, what is evil, what is righteous, different ways to respond to different situations. But you can overplay this and start, especially in certain circles, start having uh, uh, an impression from God, a voice from God. Uh, God has given me a direction, uh, and you're going to follow. And they make this a little more concrete than you really can. James is not giving you, because we know God's will is for you to prosper, and if you'll become a merchant and go to that country and you'll invest the time, I can guarantee you that it is God's will for you to prosper. If you'll step out in faith and do it, I can guarantee that you'll have a prosper. It's like, whoa, man, that preaches. That preaches. But it's like, James is not saying, if and I know what God's will is, that if you have a plan, then we'll know the results. He says, first of all, he says, first, you are a mist. You don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. But he's not saying don't make plans, but just make sure you make plans, but be flexible. Because if God's will is, you know, if God's, you should say, this is my plan as a mist. As a mist that's here temporarily, that I'm almost done, my life is almost over. I don't know how much time I've got. It's, oh, here, here, here the clock is ticking. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get it done or not. But if it's God's will, and I'm saying if, and I don't know, I'm going to do this. So I don't have much time. I'm not sure if I can do it. But if it's God's will, I'll try to get this done. So are you going to get it done? I, don't, I may not even live. I know when I'm going to die. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, you got God on your side. Yeah, but I'm not sure what he's doing. I, if it's his will. I can't tell you what God's will. Well, it is God's will that all men be saved. Right, okay. But we're, that's a pretty general statement. Uh, we're talking about your plans to go here for business tomorrow. Uh, where's that verse about where I'm going to be going? It's not there. It's just verses like, commit yourself to the Lord. Uh, he'll direct your steps. I can guarantee you that if you have an... This is what I can guarantee. This if involves God directing your steps of your plans. But where he's going to direct them, I don't know. Because... I, I've ended up in places that I had no intention of going, but I was following God or doing something for God, and here I am over here. Like, how did I get here? Uh, uh, God directed my steps, but I didn't know. So you've got to put right here. This is, I think, James, you've got to put a question mark here because your activity, you, he already put a question mark. You're a miss. How can you tell me what you're going to do tomorrow? You don't, even, you don't even see tomorrow. You're alive. You may not even be here tomorrow. Don't tell me what you're going to do. But what you should say is, I'm going to do this if it is God's will. And that if is in the third class edition. And you don't know what God's going to do. So this is a question mark plus a question mark, which leads you to the answer. A question mark. So boys and girls, today is our equation. (laughs) If you have a question mark plus a question mark, this is God's will if... It is God's will, which we do not know, third class condition. And if this is your plan and you are a mist, which <laughs> you may be vaporized by tomorrow, uh, your results are going to be, yes, we have no clue. That's the way you live the Christian life. And it's like, that, that doesn't even make sense in a secular world because you're only working with this. And then you've got churches that have been influenced by the secular culture. They want to get you some guarantee because they've got to market this. And they've got to somehow guarantee you this success. So this is going to be your life coach. These are the steps that you take. And then if you have a church that actually got a Bible, we're going to have to find a Bible verse that says, God wants you to prosper. And all things that committed to God. And the prosperity plus your steps equal this. Now I'll sell a book. This book is not going to sell anything. Uh, We do not know what God's will for your life is exactly. We do not know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. I can't guarantee you're not going to die between tomorrow and today and tomorrow or when you'll vaporize. And so I have no idea. So please send $25 and buy my book up. We don't know what God's doing. We don't know what you're going to, how long you're going to live. And we don't know what's going to happen with your results. 
And of course, again, I may be overemphasizing, but you can see the contrast here at least. Again, you've got James, I'm, I, this is Galen teaching, you've got James writing the book there, and you can read that. But nonetheless, chapter 4, verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're nothing. Instead, you ought to say, if, third class condition, if the Lord wills, and we don't know if he does or not, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. For you to say, this is going to be the results right here. This is going to be the results. You are boasting. That both The word boasting goes one of two directions. You're boasting about your results. We're going to make this much money. We're going to spend this much. Here's what I'm going to do. You're boasting about this is what I'm going to do. Or you're boasting about the formula which is your world view which is worldly which is evil godless and you're boasting i can do what i want i am not going to follow god i'm making my own plans i control my own destiny so you're either in in the text you're either boasting about your philosophy or you're boasting about the result. Not, not both, but I, I can't tell you in the sentence, but what he says, you're boasting. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. You're arrogant about your worldly philosophy. That doesn't include God. Missed. <laughs> you're boasting about being a mist. There's nothing there. Or you're boasting about Look what's going to happen. We're going to go to such and such a city. We're going to make this much money. I'll be back in about a year, and then I'll buy a field, and then I'm going to be somebody. So you're boasting about the results. Again, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. That's what, Boast in your arrogance. Are they boasting about their philosophy, or are they boasting about the results? Again, you're going to have the, the Greek commentators are going to have to con- decide that. You're going to decide that. Nonetheless, James says, all such boasting is evil which means it's godless. Your boasting is evil. Evil uh, is opposite of good, but good would be with God. Evil would be anything godless. Evil may not be what we'd say sinful. There are things in our world today that are not sinful, or that are, we wouldn't call them sinful because they're very positive for culture. You know, uh, everybody getting together and building the Tower of Babel. Look at the cooperation. Everybody's working together. Same language, same goal, same value. Yeah, evil, godless. Well, it doesn't look very sinful to me. No, but it's evil. All such boasting without God is evil. And then he ends this. He says, and again, I got some words written there about boasting. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is now sin. Now, you notice we went from evil. This is evil. To think this is what you're going to do, and boasting about your world philosophy, that's godless, or you're boasting about what you have, that is, he says, evil. Now that you know, if you continue to pursue this evil, you are sinning. Now, because you're living this way, you are now living in sin, because you're living in an evil way. So notice that, you know, evil becomes a sin. They're not, that's not being used as a synonym, if that makes sense. Uh, in conclusion, I'll read that one more time. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I want to read the whole text today. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade and make a profit... That's their statement. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Notice right there, you can still say, we will do this or that, but you've got to understand, if the Lord wills it, that's the only way it's going to get done. But as it is, without saying, if the Lord's will, again, we're not just going to put that little Christianese on the end of every statement, but as it is, 
your boasting is you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil so whoever knows the right right thing to do and fails to do it for him that is sin in other words if you understand you're a vapor you've got temporary plans but you've got to submit them to god and you resist that and you're just going to drive forward and nothing's going to stop you including god well now you're pharaoh and now you're acting just like pharaoh you're evil you're godless and now you're sinning uh Point, these last four points. Uh, failing to take God's will, plan, sovereignty into account while mar- making your plans, preparing for your business, anticipating your life would be sin. It is not a sin to, this is important, it is not a sin to plan a trip, plan a business, and project your investments. It's not a sin to research opportunities. It's not a sin to prepare for retirement. It's not a sin to be responsible, but it's a sin to not put it in perspective that God's also got a will. In fact, not planning and not preparing is a sin in itself. We can go back to the book of Proverbs. By not planning and not preparing, that in itself is evil because you're not following God's advice. The sin in these verses is living your life without concern for God, without concern for God's plans that exist before you and your plans, without concern for God's control and direction of your plans to fit into his plans, and without concern for God's judgment and ultimate evaluation of your cooperation with his plan. Uh, again, you can imagine people standing before the Lord. Lord, Lord, did we not do our plans in your name? Uh, yeah, get away from me. I never, but we did your plans and we did it in your name. Yeah, not my plans. Get away from me. I never knew you. And that would be the danger of driving your plans right past God's plans. Okay, I'll quit with that and we'll pick this up next week. Father, do thank you again for the chance to look into your word. We thank you for the opportunity to compare our lives with your standard. We do ask that we would be diligent, that we'd make plans that our plans would be wise, but also that we'd have a humble heart and attitude that would recognize that you have plans from eternity past that go on to an eternity future, that we could come alongside of you and that our plans would cooperate with what you are doing in history and in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for being here.